Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday Celebration from the Center for Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. vibration, the via creativa. We rest in a field of resonance. Becoming intimate with the music of life within and all around. And so we're in a dance a dance to nowhere, a dance to now here. <coughs> Journey into the present moment. We breathe. And we say yes, a thousand times yes. And in that place of yes, a place of gratitude begins to flower. A gratitude for the life that we've been given gratitude for the calling of something so deliciously passionate within our soul that it wakes us up in life and oftentimes has us move in a new direction because the aliveness of the soul doesn't want to live in a stagnant pond anymore but wants to flow freely in this river of life where no destination is on the horizon other than to be in the flow of now. So we let the music take us into the now. Breath is always breathing us, letting us know that we are loved. Life has intention and purpose and meaning at the deepest level of our soul. So we have a fidelity, a faithfulness to this now moment and to this journey of life that we're on together. With playfulness, deep sense of discovery, we open our eyes and we have a direct experience of that which is always already there assisting us in being who we are, an expression of the one life, recognizing itself, unifying with all creation, realizing that there's a greater intention here. And when we can give thanks and trust 
and release it into an intelligence that is supporting us every step of the way, well, then our life unfolds in ways that we just are in awe of. I shouldn't end a sentence in a preposition, but I did anyway. So thank you for being here. Thanks, Bob, for humoring me. I asked if he would continue playing the music when I did the opening treatment so that I could ride on the waves of the Pacaville Canon. It does something to me every time I hear it. Isn't it nice to know that music can do that for our soul? My little sister was sharing with me. I spoke with her on Sunday after church. And um, I'm speaking about the journey to being where we are. And when she and I speak, it's always so real. I mean, she lives on the edge of life. And it's fascinating to hear. And she's got this heart as big as the universe. And the neighbor who lives next door has dementia. And she's married to Mr. Grumpy. And so they decided to help out the neighbor next door. And just instead of bringing food over, they say, would you like to go out and hear a concert? It's like the low mill thing you talked about. There's this big concert. It's free. And it's right down the street in, in, in Oregon. And so they picked up this grumpy couple. And they went out. And they're listening to the music. And they're playing the oldies from the past. And my little sister said her husband, Bob, took her hand. And the old lady with dementia said, he took your hand. My husband never takes my hand. And then my little sister said, that's because you get to take his. So she got up and she walked over and he's sitting in his wheelchair and she reached over and she took his hand and he looked at her and he smiled. And then she turned to my sister and said, he took my hand. And that she said, that's because you reached it out to him. Those little moments like that are, are I think, so sacred. If we step into life and life will show us what needs to be done. You know, in that wonderful workshop that my beloved Pam Hurdy did yesterday, I had the opportunity to hold the hand of Anastasia as we were doing these balancing acts on our right foot, our left foot. And then I realized I was going to fall over and I had uh, Lee on my right side so I could put my hand on Lee so I didn't fall over and my arm around Pam. And between the two of them holding me up, I had all the support that I needed in life. Now, I didn't ask if I was allowed to hold on to somebody, but you know, when we fall down, we need somebody to help us get up. And so this is the inspiration for this month of October, is the new book by Mark Nepo called Falling Down and Getting Up, and that we need each other to help each other home. My prayer partner in Canada, he said in his congregation for 30 years, he's taught four simple principles. The first one is that God is all there is. There's no spot where God is not. The second one is that we are spiritual beings and we're having a human experience. So we can't deny this human experience. It goes right with the spiritual being. So could we learn to have kind of a relationship? Yeah, my humanity, and what the world needs is a humanity that's infused with its, with its soul, if you will. The third thing they teach up in Canada was you don't need anything outside yourself to make yourself feel good about yourself on the inside. We keep thinking, if this happens or if that happens, then I'll be happy. No, you don't need Mr. Right or Miss Right for you to find love. The one you're looking for is right here. Whoa, I think that's kind of a shocking thought, Miss Judy. And the last principle they teach up in Canada, and I think this is the sweetest, and ultimately, we are all here walking each other home because we're all connected to one another. So could we enter into that with joy in our hearts? And I mean all of it. I told my little sister on the phone yesterday, I said, you'll have those moments in life where a light goes off and you realize, oh my God, life just gave me one of the greatest gifts on the planet. And she said, well, what was your 
Scott. She calls me Scott. That's my middle name. And I said, well, when I was in South Africa in 1999 at the Parliament of the World Religions, seeing His Holiness the Dalai Lama and all the big poobahs in the spiritual world, the one that transformed my life was the very first speaker, and it was an African American, an African woman, and she had five children that had died from AIDS. This was in the 90s. And she got up there and she said, I want you to know that we are all the mother and they are all our children. And with tears coming down my eyes, I saw all these homeless children. And I realized I wasn't here to do the parliament of the world religions. I was here to feed these children and to walk among them and to hold them. And to... It was just an amazing experience. So you get what you... You get what you need, not necessarily what you want. So here's Mark Nepo, and he opens the book with a lovely little poem to get us started. It's called His Anthem. He says, yes, you fall down. No. Tiny print. Sometimes artists like to do that. Yes, you fell down, and I feel for you, for I, too, have fallen down many times. Now you must get up, and I know it isn't easy. I know it will take time. But remember, the seed cannot imagine breaking ground, and the fledgling can't imagine flying. And so your broken heart can't find and even imagine its way. But life is this repeating journey from sleep to wakefulness, from blindness to sight, from fear to love. No matter how many times we fall, we're just beginning. We've only just begun to rise. Pam said so beautifully at the very beginning of her workshop, in order to start a new beginning, oftentimes we have to stop a pattern that we're somehow unconscious of, a pattern that is holding us bound in some way of navigating in life. Perhaps we see ourselves as a victim. We see ourselves as stuck. And if we see ourselves as a victim and stuck, well, then we're going to manifest victim experiences until we begin to see that there's a new way to approach life. And that's why we cultivate a journey from the soul. When I was in, and I was asking myself, if I'm going to talk about the fidelity to the journey, what has been my journey? And I reflected when I was in South Dakota in high school, I think I was in 10th grade, I did Shakespeare of all things. And I remember Shakespeare in the play Hamlet, the one that I was in, said, uh, to thine own self be true. This was Polonius to Laertes, his son. To thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not be false to anyone, especially yourself. So at the ripe age of maybe 14, I'm hearing this kind of message of my soul, to thine own self be true. And I had to ask myself, am I going to live a life that's my father's version of that life? He wanted me to be an attorney. My mother, because I was smart, wanted me to be a doctor. And I had no clue what I wanted to be. And so when I went to college and I was mm, lost, not knowing who I was, I was always gifted at acting. And in order to be in the drama class, you had to take a class called Beginning Dance. And the moment I went into the beginning dance class, I heard my soul say, God, I'm a dancer, and a dancer dances. Give me somebody to dance for. Give me some place to fit in. All I ever needed was the music and the mirrors and the chance to dance for you. That was Donna McKechnie in the chorus line, and when I heard her sing that, I knew that that was my soul's mission. 
But I wasn't a trained dancer. I didn't take my first dance class till I was 18 or 19. And so then when I'm down on the dance floor, this journey of my soul, working on my masters at age 25, I heard the choreographer say, all movement is discovered, it's not invented. And it was like a light from the universe went off on this um, fidelity to my journey. Oh my God, I have to discover what my soul's meaning and purpose is. And then I heard Pam say yesterday, it starts with an intention, an intention to live in integrity with your soul. And then from intention, it goes to the context. Well, what is the context of my reality right now? I'm a freshman in college and I'm seeking to discover my soul's purpose. What is the context? I'm here on Sunday morning as a 74 minister trying to say, okay, is this journey continuing, this journey to the present moment where I can have fidelity with this journey that I've somehow embodied? So the context is we arrive here, we start way back when we're young, and then the third phase of that is, what am I discovering now? Phil and Cindy were here yesterday, and when I came out and hugged her, she's having these little epiphanies, these little lights going off, and it was like one little discovery after another. And isn't that what we're here to do, to continually wake up? Life is, has never stopped teaching us. And then the last place, after the discovery thing, comes this place called experience. Now, Pam said so beautifully yesterday, she says, knowledge without experience cannot lead to wisdom. So yes, we have the knowledge that there's one life, and that one life permeates all creation. But when we discover it personally, revealing through our own life, well, then we've had a direct experience of the numinous. And that's what we're all craving, that this, this power wants to wake up within us. And so then Mark Nepo goes on at the end of the book. I like to go from the beginning to the end. And here's how he talks about the fidelity to the journey. It's really quite beautiful. He's a poet, remember. He said, we must remember this is all one water. He's talking about the water of life. And there is the wave, there is the surface of life, and then there is the deep. Now, this is a beautiful metaphor. My, my brother-in-law, who's an evangelical, we spoke yesterday about his making of wine. He spends three years to make a bottle of wine. You talk about the fidelity to the journey. He buys 600 grapes. He squishes the grapes. He marinates the grapes. He, I mean, it's like, and then he sent me his whole process. And you talk about fidelity to the journey. Remember that it's all one water and the wave and the deep. And you can't tell where the wave ends and the deep begins. So I said to him, I said, you'll be happy to know that Jesus didn't turn the water uh, into clean water at the wedding. No, he turned the water into wine. So I said, you're following in the path of Jesus. And he said, and I said, and I think he said, well, he actually, that was a miracle. He turned the water and it was a miracle. He turned it into wine. And I said, well, I like to play with the metaphor. Maybe he turned down a watery situation and it had an intoxicating spiritual effect. And he said, oh, there you go with your metaphysics again. And I said, well, you know, the water is a, a metaphor. There is the deep, and Emerson says, when deep calls upon deep, deep always responds. So could we have a relationship with life as a beautiful metaphor? We're in the Garden of Eden. And then I tried to tell my brother-in-law, you know, in that very first story, it was about Ganhedon, which was a state of bliss. And once we ate from the tree of judgment, we could no longer be in the garden, which is a state of bliss. So then we were in the, the life of opposites, duality, good, bad, right, wrong. And then when we got to the realization that there is no good or bad, but thinking makes it so, well, then we start visiting the Garden of Eden again. Ah, uh, you mean I can live in bliss with all that stuff going on around me? Yeah, I think you can. There's a pony in there, Miss Cindy. So 
Likewise, you can't tell where your psychology ends and the depth of spirit begins. Hmm. It is helpful to note the psychologist Michael Mahoney's definition of self-confidence. He traces the back the word back confidence to the Latin word confidere. I love it when they do derivations. And confidere means fidelity. So he frames self-confidence as the fidelity, the devotion, and the commitment to the true self, to the self within us that's deathless and eternal. Ah, staying faithful and devoted to the journey, there's that word again, of our evolving inner self. Indeed, it is only a devotion to that sacred bottom beneath our endless moods, the surface level of life, your wants and dislikes and your reactions and your story, and you fall into this deep place that's the same, that's peaceful. Indeed, it's only a devotion to the sacred bottom beneath our endless moods that brings us back in accord with the center of the heart, which shares the same living center with all beings. And this is what the Hindu tradition calls the Atman, the shared immortal soul. And then you hear Ernest Holmes, the Atman and the Brahman are one. So we are one with this divine presence. And it, it emerges through the awareness of our soul, through our true nature. Could we have a devotion and a fidelity to this something that is bigger than our local self? And then we meet in that vibration of the Anamkara, the soul friend. So he goes on to this, his final conclusions. The work of this self-confidence then is staying committed both to the work of compassion, which is how we reach out in the world, and the work of integrity by honoring who we are. It's very important that we serve, but that we don't give ourselves away because then we're no good to anybody. And that's a fine dance we get to do. So work of compassion and the work of integrity, honoring the real experience of others and ourselves, while also honoring this continuous flow of life that exists beneath our experience. There's something bigger happening here. It's this involution and evolution. The universe is evolving. The, the soul of the universe is waking up. Hmm. This is how the bird pumps its wings while being carried by the wind. There's an intelligence within it. This is how the fish flaps its fins while being carried into the current. And this is how the heart pumps and flaps its way through the days while being lifted into the mystery of life to trust that our heart is taking us into this mystery of belonging to the universe, and we can't outline how it's supposed to look. The wisdom of the heart is so much greater. You're happy to know that that little cat that was meowing all week long at 5.30 at my doorstep, I went over this morning and put food on the front step and watered it, and his owner called that he, his wife's mother had died and they had to go out of town, so they're driving home, rushing home to the little cat, and there was such a sweet little experience every morning at 5.30 when I would carry her home to her house, realizing that we're all the mother and they're all our children, even this three-pound little black cat. Meow, meow, meow. She says, thank you. Concluding, our worth is innate. It's affirmed and renewed by our direct experience of being. And while the evolution of a life is completely dependent on the web of relationships that we create and care for in the world, let me read that one more time because it's juicy. And it's like a seed that goes in. The first time it goes maybe this far, and then if you can let it, it can go right down into your heart and it can start to grow. It can start to germinate. That's all an idea is anyway, is a seed. So here he says at the very end, our worth is innate. That means it's within. 
affirmed and renewed by our direct experience of being. We need to experience it personally in life, otherwise it's just a theory. And while the evolution of a life is completely depend on this web of relationships that we create and care for in the world. Wow, well then you get to look around at your world and say, what kind of relationships am I cultivating? Are they healthy relationships? We panned at a beautiful practice of heart-centered listening, which comes out of the HeartMath program, by the way, so if you want to know its roots. And it's scientifically proven that if we deeply can listen to our partner, and it's all about listening, that relationships can find that resonance and coherence again where they're being heard. And then you hear, was it Carl Rogers that says, all we ever want is to be heard? And play with that on your journey to the present moment. I, I love it when last Sunday I spoke about catching the hints, and ever since I finished that story, it works on me. This is the beauty of these talks. One salient idea can go down in here, and then it works on you throughout your days, catching the hints. And one of the hints came from a little Zen calendar a week ago that said, don't get blinded by the clock and the calendar. That's time. When all you have is the sacred moment, which is filled with mystery and miracle. So could we make our commitment to be living fully present in this moment, knowing that everything in the past is accumulated in there subjectively, and everything in the future is some kind of idea that we have on someday aisle this or that or the other, but in the meantime, not get distracted by clock and calendar and try to find the miracle and the mystery of now. And so that's what I'm going to play with for this month, and my brother Phil is going to play with it too. And we're going to see where the now takes us. So I came home yesterday, and um, or I was working with the hints. What did I catch the other day? I'm falling into the kitchen. Oh, oh! I've gotten so I learned to watch National Geographic because they show these things on the planet Earth, and they have this story called the Amazing Doctor Pooh. And Dr. Pooh takes any animal that comes to him, and he meets those moments. And sometimes these are the most hideous, like a duck that gets pulled by the coyotes. Most people would just euthanize the duck. He's, oh, bring the duck in. And then he's having a relationship with the duck, and he mends the duck. Next thing you know, there's a dog got in a fight. His jaw's hanging out. Brings it to Dr. Pooh. Dr. Pooh says, oh, well, this is kind of serious. And he says, I can't really fix it because it was pulled off its hinges. So what did he do? He turned to the knower within, and he took the skin of a tilapia. And he wrapped the skin around the ripped off face and he sewed it on with so much love. And then as if he were praying, he said, and the grace of God will now heal this face. And wouldn't you know it, it grew back together. And so this Dr. Poe is showing me someone who's got the fidelity to his journey. No animal is ever rejected. He doesn't just do dogs and cats. He brought him some baby pigs that were compromised and he saved the baby's pigs' lives so that they could go on and be your bacon in the future. But everything was sacred to him. And I said, well, thank you, Dr. Poe. And then I see Nova the same afternoon, and Nova was doing a thing about Cape Cod. And Trey and I used to go up to the summers when his family had the home up in Cape Cod before they sold it. Sold it. And they have lighthouses all up and down the coast of Cape Cod. And because of the storms, true story, that they're eroding the coastline of Cape Cod, especially around Martha's Vineyard, and the 200-year-old lighthouse was going to fall into the sea. So one man, an old man, set an intention. There's that intention again. With the context, he's going to fall into the sea. He said, I'm going to save this somehow. I don't know how, but somehow I am. So the first thing he went around, and he gathered money from the locals, $3 million. And then he found some crazy person and said, we'll just put it up on stilts. 
And so the engineer and him, maybe you said, they, they put these things under this light hose house, and then it kind of lifted up, and then he put some tracks down and put some wheels on it. And they had some device, and they pulled that ancient lighthouse 144 feet inland and saved its life. You talk about fidelity to a journey to something bigger than yourself. And I'm seeing this, okay, I'm being flooded with story after story of people serving something that inspired their heart to serve. Wow, so then we get to ask that existential question, what is mine to do here? You know, Jody was sharing that when she and Bob were on the kayak, she keeps running into people that rescue animals. It's because she rescues animals. And so isn't that nice to know that there's this law of attraction that says like will attract like. And if you are an open-hearted person who is an evolutionary thinker, which I know you all are, well, then you found this perfect place to enter into metaphor with me, where when deep calls upon deep, there's something within that can hear you. And it's not um, to be shamed. It's to be entered into almost playfully like a child. You know, I've known Pam Hurdy since I started this ministry. You know, it's so funny. Someone, Anastasia, was saying how this job just found her. Well, this church just found me. I didn't seek this one out. They had a minister named Lynn Combs, and he was leaving. And so I was a ministerial student, and they said, would you go over there and speak because they need someone to speak? This is how it happens. I came over here and speak, speaked, spoke, and they said, well, would you be willing to come here? And I said, no, I'll go anywhere but Alabama. Well, then Jack Albright sweet-talked me into coming here. I mean, he must have promised me the world. And so Jack Albright and I came, and he said, you don't have to stay long. Just kind of fill in, and wouldn't you know it, it was the perfect garden for my soul to flower in. So what if we really don't have an idea? And a young woman who had just released her job, oh, she came to one of our lunch lifts. This is when we did things to bring people in. So I would have lunch every Wednesday, and people would come and sit down at the table. And one Wednesday, a young lady named Pam Hurdy came and sat down at the table, and she was working with the healthcare program. And I think the job was killing her. She was having an awful time. But she came here, and all of a sudden, she started coming on Wednesday nights. And on Wednesday nights, I would do dance. I would have dance with the beloved. And we'd put on music and we'd let our souls dance. And then she brought her kids here. And they became, because we had two kids, well, then we needed a youth program. So she became the youth program. And so you meet the needs of the community as it happened. And I watched her as she evolved and grew. Was my first staff minister when I had my first class. And then she went into, became a nurse practitioner. And her ministry took her all over the planet until she came up with her lovely book. And it's called... A Tea Party with God by Pamela Ann Hurdy. And her little girl wrote it. And it is a piece of art. So I'm going to, with fidelity to the journey, if it's okay with Pam, read one of her stories because this will move your heart. This is the, this is the fidelity to her ministry. She says, there is a special treasure chest of which the world takes part. Here's the treasure chest. By the giving of your own sweet gifts which lay inside your heart. So could we have a fidelity to giving the gifts from the heart to the world? And just play with that. Let your little girl, your little boy. I was sharing with somebody that um, I saw this inspiring artist. I think it was on Entertainment Tonight, who's about my age. And he says, how do you keep your art vital at this age? He said, because the little boy is always in me. He never went anywhere. That creative spark. And then Jesus, you hear Jesus, you've got to be like a child if you would enter this kingdom of possibility. So we get to find that. So here's this little girl, Pamela Ann Hurdy. You see you have been very blessed by God's loving grace. You have a wonderful gift to give to this sacred place. It's all sacred, and you've got a gift. Can you imagine reading this to a little kid? You've got a special gift. The gift you have is simply you. 
your love, your light, your joy. A way of being, an inspiration that we all enjoy. Well, you mean I'm only here to bring my love and light to the world and a little bit of joy? Well, I think that's what Pamela Ann's telling me to do. And don't forget what you know is true. There is a sacred flow. Could we surrender this idea to be in control to a sacred flow that's moving through us and to live in that flow? Wow. For what you give, you surely get. It's all just God you know. For what you give, you surely get. For it's all just God. There's that first one. It's all God you know. So on this day of beauty, be sure to bring your best. It's through the giving of your heart that all of us are blessed. So on this day, bring your best. It's giving of the heart in which we are all blessed. So there's a little um, thread to run through. What thread is running through you that's wanting to wake up within you? I asked myself after a meditation yesterday afternoon, so what would my journey say that I want to express? And this is what came through me, kind of like when Pam said, sit down and ask what the gift is. This is what my little soul said. Well, my gift is that I get to take people to this deep place where we get to discover who we are. Let yourself fall into that deep place. Then my gift, my journey, is to feel the breath within the breath while I'm in that deep place. So when you're in the deep and you've called upon the deep mm -hmm. where your true self abides, could we then let the breath take us deeper into home? And then you hear, I have arrived, I am home. I have confidence in sunshine. I have confidence in rain. I have confidence that cold will come again. Besides what you see, I have confidence in me. So you're building this level of confidence. The journey then takes me to the love that has no other. It's just the one love. And you realize that love doesn't have preferences. It doesn't love this tree and hate that tree. No, love has an equanimity to it. When we were driving up to the mountain the other day on Sana, when we're going to have a picnic sometime in November, because you all told me you wanted it, so board members out there, figure out a date. Anyway, we're driving up this little road, and all of a sudden, in the middle of Bankhead Highway, are three little speckled fawns right in the road. And so we stopped our car and went up there, stopped their car, and, and I'm thinking, where is the mother? You know, you think, doesn't this mother need to come and rescue her kids? And then I'm realizing that the city of Huntsville has decided to develop that side of the mountain, so it's all the bulldozers are out there. And I think the mother and the fawns have gotten misplaced, and so they're looking to escape, and they found themselves staring at our car right there on the road. I know, I shook my head. We are all the mother, they're all our children. That kept echoing in my head, so I'm out there. You get off the road now, go off, go up, climb up the hill, and got back in the car, and I thought, okay. Life gives us that. Mm. The love that has no other. This journey takes me to the peace that passes all understanding. When you make a commitment to this journey, to live in mindfulness, and I love that Pat cloaked this whole workshop in mindful awareness, where you're living in every moment, and if you can live that moment in a deep, abiding peace, well then, the drama on the outside doesn't need to be put on the inside. It's so easy to take the drama out here and put it inside here until you don't do that anymore. Up until now, I used to take all the suffering out here. Now I bring the love to the suffering. So when there is suffering out there, and you know who my great teacher is, is that little blind and deaf pug. He suffers from only one thing. He feels abandoned and he doesn't know where we are. Aren't those four-legged such teachers? 
He'll sit by the tub and howl because he doesn't know where I am. And you just go in there and put your arms around him. Oh, the howling stops. He melts like butter right into your heart. And all he needed was to be known that he's loved, that he's seen, that he's held. Is it that simple, Miss Anastasia? I don't have to fix him. I don't have to get rid of his deafness or his blindness. I don't have to label him as some kind of flawed. No, he's just a, he's like Helen Keller, okay? I've got my own little Helen Keller, and I don't mean it disrespectfully. Um, the journey is with our child of wonder and joy. Isn't it funny when you ask, what is my journey that I'm faithful for? It came up with the same as yours, Pam. My journey is to live with my child of wonder and joy. Maybe I'll write my little version of a tea party. We'll go, going to the pub with the beloved. You know, it's, it's the tavern of love, as Rumi says. We're all swimming, ends, and drowning. We're all getting intoxicated on the one life. That's the meaning of turning the water to the wine. It's not literal. It's metaphorical. Don't tell that to my brother-in-law. Anyway, so it's the journey is to the heart of the beloved. When you ask the universe, what is the, what, what can you be faithful for in your journey? See what comes up. I give you this challenge, and you will be surprised. So I'm faithful to the beloved awakening within my heart. And then you realize it's all the beloved. There's a beautiful Sufi story that says the lover goes to the bedchamber of the beloved and knocks on the door. And the beloved says, who's there? And then David say, it's me, David. And he'd say, oh, go away, you're not ready yet. And then David goes, what do you mean I'm not ready yet? And then I knock on the door, beloved. Beloved said, who's there? It's David, I've taken all the classes, I know all the things, I'm ready to go, I know everything. Go away, you're not ready yet. So then I go and I take more classes and I meditate and do a yoga class, take a workshop from Pam. You go back and knock on the door. Beloved, it's me. I'm back again. Beloved said, who is it? It's you, beloved. All there is is you. There's no me separate from you. He says, you finally got it. Open the door. Come on in. There's only one here. So could we let our path be to that self that we aren't separate from, that's always already there waiting for us? My Zen calendar yesterday said something that was disturbing, that said reality is perfectionism. And I've been someone who sought to be perfect my whole life. And then someone said, well, can't you translate that, David, to all of life is perfect, and that's what reality is. I said, yeah, I can translate that, but I have a little part of me that had to be a perfectionist. So then today's calendar kind of healed me from that, Phil. It said, I'm not perfect, but I am enough. Well, thank you. I may not be perfect over here, like reality is, but I'm enough in my glorious imperfections. So could the perfect of me love the own imperfect of me? And embrace those flaws, those parts of my humanity. I still got some work to do. Got... Yeah, so I'm home to the place within and I'm home to the place without. They're not separate. Could we have that commitment that the outer and the inner are doing a dance? And whatever, and I love Pamela, I think my favorite part of the whole workshop, she was talking about the addictive program that she's been helping work as a healing influence. And she said, in an addictive response, there's a stimulus and there's a response. And where the whole success is, is in the space between where we can choose how to respond from an inner place of wholeness. Oftentimes, when we have that stimulus, something is shocking and we react. It's so much easier to react than to stop and take time and respond. So could we make a commitment on this journey to the present moment to be in a flow of responding to life instead of reacting? That's what I'm deeply committed to, where the within and the without work in harmony together. And so when the without becomes really tenuous, well, then my within has got to go deep. Because if I go up to the surface and deal with the surface, I'm just like someone dealing with the trauma. I get to bring my deep to the surface. 
So I'm committed to that. Um, my journey is one that is free, alive, and grateful. To live a journey that's free of the demands of the world and the demands of ourself and our projections of I should, I should, I should. I'm free of the shoulds. A life that is alive, that is embracing the aliveness at whatever age you are, and a life that is grateful for what is. It doesn't have to change. Could we live in gratitude? When you live in gratitude, well, then you find the blessing in everything. The last thing I'm committed to is the alchemy of sound, the alchemy of light, and the alchemy of love. You know, in the ancient way of looking at life, they talk about alchemy as, as, as transformation. And my spiritual teacher, Llewellyn Van Lee from the Sufi tradition, he wrote a book called The Alchemy of Light. And the circle of love that we're going to be doing up there in Ohio is all about the alchemy of light and the rendezvous with love, how they work together. But the only way they can is by setting an intention to inquire into it, creating a context where I can discover it, and in that discovery have a direct experience of something greater. So could we go back to the beginning and set an intention? And Cindy reminded me when Phil does his beautiful class on Thursday night, if you're available, he's doing the uh, four agreements, to set an intention. What is my intention? And then could the context inform it? That's what's going on in life so that I can discover maybe how I can navigate a little bit more mindfully, where I can operate from balance, where I can operate from deep listening. Instead of always wanting to project my suggestions on the world, I can now learn to listen to what is the world deeply needing, have a discovery of what's needed, and then experience some kind of cohesive resonance. Wow, then it's a dance that we get to do together. We're not separate. Isn't that kind of fun? Anyway, shall we do a little song, a, a, a little ding of the bell? And did uh, Susan, you want to run down, up and down with the baskets? They're in the back of the room. Who used to help her? Somebody helped you. Oh, Raul. My original bell ringer. Yes. Oh, thank you, Adam. This Thursday night, we're having the lovely Emily Stoddart. Not a relationship to my Stoddart. Um, she's going to do her sound bath experience, which I hear is just transformational. So if you're free this Saturday from 5.30 to 6. Thursday, thank you. Thursday at 5.30. We will go into that field of divine love. So, I'm ready when you are. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.cslhuntsville.org.